This is episode number 207. How do you develop courage when you don't see things around you? With Maria Johnson. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call this Saturday called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started approximately one and a half years ago, maybe even closer to two, with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to better understand our own individual journeys. If you would like to know more details about how to join any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond to you with all the details. The second announcement that I would like to make is in regard to our show, and that is if you have liked any of the previous episodes, or if this is your first time tuning in, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Maria, welcome to the show. Hi, Oleg. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Welcome back to take two this yes. particular <laughs> episode that the first one yeah just something it's funny sometimes you have conversations this is the biggest thing that i've learned i think throughout the journey this far is that sometimes i would have conversations and then certain you know technological things work out like either they're static or it doesn't save or whatever it is that happens i choose to look at it through the lens of maybe this was a time when you and i were just meant to have that conversation yeah, yeah, you know, because there's nothing else that really makes sense for like why it happened the way it does. <laughs> it's technology, definitely. On my end, it's usually because you know I can't see something, or you know I didn't press the right button. But either way, um, you know, I enjoyed the conversation we had on our first attempt, but um, looking forward to you know having another one. So it's just bonus for me to be able to chat with you again. <laughs> Yeah, and I also think the first conversation in a way was a good opportunity for us to learn about each other's backgrounds and stories. And now we might be able to go even deeper within this whole concept of courage. And I think the best way that maybe to even start off this particular this particular try is <laughs> by tackling the question of what does courage look like for you? Well, um, courage um looks like for me is an interesting play on words and i know we're going to get into it but um i am illegally blind so courage to me is not something that i can um get any kind of uh feedback visually outside of my own self outside of my own body to rely on to see if something is safe okay is it gonna work I can't get that. Um, so courage, what courage looks like to me is what is it from the inside out? How, what do I have to dig up from the inside 
to get myself to move forward in some circumstances. Um, it could be simple, a simple circumstance or it can be a really scary circumstance, but it, I cannot rely on the outside influences so much. I really have to look within for courage. Um, and, and that's what I've had to learn to do, whether it's my own self-talk, thinking of why I'm going to do something, you know, what is the value to me or, or not to me, mm-hmm. um, or, um, you know, how it's going to be hard, you know, do I expect it to be hard? Do I expect it to be easy? How much courage do I have to drum up internally um, to get me to do the things on the outside that uh, are going to be um, harder to adapt to or harder to do because of my vision loss. So how do you do that in situations where, let's say like a grocery store, for example, having to navigate between the aisles and also just having the courage sometimes, because I'll be honest, I even struggle when it comes to grocery stores sometimes, because I'll go in them and there are certain, not every aisle is the same, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are carts and all these other things that are in between. And also like, I'm even thinking shelves, like there's certain products on upper shelves and because you're not able to see as well as Mm -hmm. someone like myself, that probably takes a lot of courage to, I mean, even asking for help, asking someone in the aisle to ask you to help you along the way. Do you remember one of your first experience of going into the store and what, what that was like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I didn't go to the store for a long time because it was too scary. <laughs> Just kind of, it was like, Oh no, I can't, I can't go. I can't navigate. And I've, then you kind of learn, well, I need to go with someone, um, someone you trust, someone that's going to help you get the products and things that you need. And for a long time, I had people, friends, family who would accompany me to the store. And But even being in the store with someone who was helping guiding me and finding the things that I needed, it was still a little sketchy because you're still making your way around people, mm-hmm. carts, poles, you know, uh, carts left in the way, like I said, um, in in your own cart, um, working your way around the produce, you know, um, that are kind of just right in the middle of things. Um, I can see, I can see enough to see contrast and objects. I may not be able to tell you what it is. Like I can tell it's a person or it might be a pole, but you know, Hmm. they'll move and I'll know it's a person, but I, you know, if it's just a big, display. I have no idea what's there. Um, I have a really bad habit of touching a lot of things. And um, my kids would joke if they would go with me. I just couldn't help myself. I just would be touching things. And I just want to know what everything is. And they were just like, stop touching, stop touching everything. Just like (laughs) I was the toddler now. And they were the parent like stop touching. And you know, it, it, it probably did get a little annoying to them. But it was almost like a game to me in a way where I would actually take a box of something and put it really close to my face if I could maybe just read it myself and inevitably I couldn't um and I'd I'd put it back and ask you know my kids what it was but the the running joke in the family for a while in the beginning was um I'd say what's that what's that what's that again like an annoying toddler and they would say you know first time it was was salmon it's salmon okay well salmon okay all right next thing 
What's that? It's salmon. Wait, salmon was back there. That can't be that salmon too. They're like, yeah, mom, it's more salmon. Mm -hmm. Third time, it's salmon. So it got to be a joke where they just kept telling me it was the same thing. And I'm not a fan of salmon. So I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to touch the salmon. It would keep <laughs> me from touching it. And they, you know, it got to be kind of a running joke. So, but further along, I wanted to go by myself. Now that's a whole nother level of courage. Um, but this day and age, one, there's so many things you can do. One, you can ask for help from a, a employee who can help you find the things that you need. And now, so you know, you're shopping with a stranger. That's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing too. You don't know this person, you're giving them your list. You're saying, I need help finding these things. And you're relying on someone you don't even know to help you shop. The other thing is there's a lot of assistive technology out these days that I can actually have, um, I have an app on my phone where I can dial into a trained person who can then see through my phone and actually can guide me around the store from my own phone camera and help me find things if I don't want to ask anyone for help. And I've done that a several times too. Um, so go build, it was a buildup to be able to go to stores, not only just the grocery store, but other stores on my own. And you really do have to dig in and go, you know, I need to go in. I need to go to the customer service and I need to say, I'm legally blind. I need help shopping or finding whatever item. And, you know, they'll find someone to help you and you just have to kind of own it and take charge. But it definitely takes time to get there. And I know people to this day who won't do that. Mm -hmm. But if you want it bad enough, you're gonna have to dig deep and put your big girl pants on or big boy pants on and go and do that because that's actually moving forward and living your life. Do you miss having the ability to see like you used to? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People say, um, if you could, you know, take a magic pill and get your vision back in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Um, I would love to see my kids' faces. Um, I have a grandbaby due in May. Um, so of course, you know, um, I would love to be able to see clearly, you know, my first grandchild, um, I'd love to be able to navigate better just by being able to see, I'd love to be able to see my friends who I technically haven't seen in over seven years. Um, and so I would, I would take my vision back in a heartbeat, but I also would, that would change my life dramatically because I've been. I've made so many great friends in the blind community and people related to the blind community that it's like, would those friendships all go away? Like, then what, you know, then what would happen? Um, I've had so many great opportunities. I've kind of reinvented myself. What would happen to all that? But um, I would take it back though. I absolutely would take it back. How would you say much of your life really evolved and transformed, especially when it comes to human relationships and connections? And the reason why I ask that is because I think for me, just having the experience that I've had, I've realized that over time, even my relationship change and my communication with people changes. Now, you get to experience something that's different, very different. Not As you mentioned, not having the ability to fully see someone and what facial expressions they make and how they show up. And I mean, even being able to celebrate holidays the same exact way. 
much right. of the holidays revolve around gifts and dressing mm -hmm. up and stuff like that. Like, yeah. does it does it enhance the experience? Does it or is it just something that's completely different? And is it something that you're used to by now? Or are you still trying to develop comfort and confidence around it? Really great question. Um, I in the very early stages of losing my vision, all of those things were just hard, hard and hard. And, and it was hard to accept hard to acknowledge um, that the holiday I, I I became legally blind in November of 2013, right as the holidays were all starting. And, you know, especially like say Christmas, you know, it's lights, it's sparkle, it's tr the tree, it's gifts, like you were saying. And I really struggled with that. I couldn't see the tree. I couldn't see the ornaments. Um, I was struggling to wrap gifts. I just refused to do it because of it. You know, if it, if I couldn't do it the way I used to, I didn't want to do it at all. Um, Christmas shopping, you know, couldn't do that by myself like I always did. Um, and the um, and the and the faces of just gatherings, um, social gatherings during holidays was is hard was hard. Um, it's still hard, um, but in the beginning, that all was really really difficult. I mean, I had some really bad days and really grieved what my my what I used to be able to see. And I thought, you know, this it's just never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same anymore. And I think it does take time and it's different for everybody to where you then start to try to enjoy those moments differently. Mm -hmm. And so the visual aspect, I now try to listen to, um, you know, more the music. I know the lights are twinkling and, and I just have to be okay with just seeing the twinkling lights. Um, I know that, you know, my kids or the family who are opening gifts, yes, they have to describe what they're opening. Um, it becomes audio description. Um, mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's a shirt, it's a this, it's a that, or which gift are you opening from me? Or I even open a gift and I have to say, what is it? I mean, um, the joke was, we don't even need to wrap mom's presents because, you know, I can't see them anyway. So, but what fun is that? So, you know, my gifts get wrapped as well, but enjoying the visual aspects of a holiday, even gatherings, is has completely changed and you do have to experience them differently and if you don't at least try to do that it you're going to be absolutely miserable absolutely mm -hmm. miserable one of the i wrote a, a blog and I, it actually got um uh, published in a, a local newspaper was about the fourth of july fireworks and it was a tradition in my family to go see the fireworks, this and that. Well, I can't see the fireworks anymore. And I really struggled those that first year or two. But then I made this, it was just a switch, just just turned on one, one year. And what I did is I sat and I listened to my children, the ooh, the ah, and you could hear the bang and the, you know, all the sounds fireworks make. And I listened to the joy and the the giddiness of my kids and that is what made my fireworks for me that's amazing is it's it's just it wasn't the lights and all of that it mm -hmm. was the joy that now brought me joy and without even seeing them 
So I, I, I changed my focus, no pun intended mm -hmm. to what I focused on. And that's what I've done with holidays as well is you got to change your focus and then you've got to let the other elements, if you will, come into play. And then you got to You got to accept those as being now your joy, your happiness, um, and, and what's going to fill your heart, um, during those times. Um, I also read an article about not, uh, you can't replace a face was the title because I can't see faces. And so I can see my friends and family every day, but I still miss them because I don't have that. I can't do eye, um, eye contact. I can't see their expressions as you were asking about. I can't see if they're smiling, happy, sad, but I, and we kind of talked about this on our first talk. I kind of get this weird, I get this sense now and I can sense if they're happy, sad, angry. I can tell by the way they walk down a hallway, they're, you know, something's up, something's wrong. I just have honed in or I've refocused on the other senses elements that can give me information now or give me the joy or fill my heart in a completely different way. It, you just don't have a choice really when, when you go through something like vision loss. How would you describe that sixth sense? I mean, is it a combination of all the other ones that we have or like how, how would you, where would you even start in describing that to someone who may not have access or do we all have access to it? I think we all do it. I think it, I think it's there, but if you can just visually look at a room, you're not tapping into it because mm -hmm. you, you, you really are give, gathering your information visually. For me, I walk in a room. I can't tell you who's in the room. I don't know how many people are in the room. Um, I don't know males, females, or, are my friends in the room? Are there strangers in the room? I have no idea unless someone's telling me, but you can walk in and you kind of get that where maybe visually you go, yeah, I'm not really feeling, you know, I'm not really feeling this room just visually. So you maybe go into another area or another area of the house or outside or whatnot. I kind of come in and I start listening and you just start to hear the conversations, the, the tone of voices, the um, it, male, female, and you just start to get a vibe and, it, and it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, I guess if you tried walking into a room or anyone and it was, you know, a group of friends or a, you're at a party or a gathering, and then you try to assess the situation with your eyes closed, like, how would you assess it? Mm -hmm. And it's, I've been next to people where I'm not just something makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. It could be because I haven't been properly introduced. I haven't been told who it is. They are someone I don't know. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. It's just the vibe that person's giving off will make me either comfortable or uncomfortable. Um, Granted, I can say, hey, I'm Maria and, you know, introduce myself, but, um, and I, and I think you build your confidence with that after a while, when you're in social situations and you're blind, you learn to cope with, you know, those are some skills you, you just have to learn. Um, but it's, it involves listening, I'll say, but it, it, it's just, it's an energy. It's an energy. And, um, and I will get antsy. 
I will, you know, when I'm feeling the energy's not good, I get antsy. Um, and I suppose like some other people would, but um, I do rely on it to say, okay, it's time for me to move or I want to get up. I want to change my atmosphere, my environment right now, because I'm just, I'm, I'm not feeling right right now. And it's not because of anything I can see, it's just how I'm feeling. So it's, you know, it's, it's not like I can see dead, you know, I can hear dead people or anything like that, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's just an energy that you just assess with your, I, you know, could be, you know, your other senses. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when you can really just take that quick look around a grocery store, a park, a social gathering visually, you're not paying attention to your other senses so much. I, I, I just don't recall me doing that. Mm -hmm. I kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, I got what's going on here. When you can't do that, you really do have to go, okay, I need to feel this. And I don't know what it is, but it's a feel. It's a feel. I mean, I can relate to it. I think the way that I'm relating to it is there are times, and I think this happens every time, where there's a meeting or I'm meeting someone and I'm able to sense the energy that's coming from that person, mm -hmm. depending on where they're at in life. So whether they're frustrated, angry, stressed, whatever it is, you could just sense it. It's a different tone, different words that they use. So I can, I can definitely relate to what you described as far as when people walk, you could sense, you know, if someone's yeah. running, then there's probably the assumption is that they might be in a hurry. So asking them a question that's going to require them to take a step back and reflect upon it is probably not the best time to <laughs> yeah. to do something yeah. like that. But you know, the other yeah. thing that I'm curious about when it comes to your own experience is because you are not able to see, I'm wondering, are there are any of the other senses, did any of them become enhanced because you were no longer having to put your all of your focus into the ability to see, but rather the feeling, the touch, the smell. Like did you find that? I mean, is was there even a uh, I guess like a reference point that you can compare to before you were able to see and after, like, do you find some of the other senses being just drastically mm -hmm. enhanced because that's where you're putting all of your time and attention into? Yeah. Um, yes, you have that right. Um, people say, oh, you know, you lose one sense, the other senses become these like superhero, you know, senses. And that's really not true. But what does happen, and I've read about it, I've written about it, is that you start to rely more on your other senses. So as you just said, you do start to focus on them heavier. And so, um, so, so let's just go, um, hearing okay mm -hmm. um i may hear something and i instead of going to you know or looking or turning i may just i just know if it's on my left or on my right i'll just i literally almost like focus on the the sound waves i mean i know that sounds kind of corny but i focus <laughs> on the hearing to kind of figure out what it is um is it a you know is it one of my pets is it a kid coming in the door you know you know, or is if I'm again in a grocery store, it's kind of like, oh, something's going on to my left and I'll just I'll listen for it because I know by this point, if I turn and look, it's going to give me nothing. 
So I will focus in on, on the hearing part of it to try to understand what's going on. Um, uh, for example, um, uh, writing um, public transit. I know I don't do it that often because I'm not comfortable on it, but um, there also are buses for people with disabilities and called the paratransit here and there were people of all disabilities and they would have uh, young folks on the bus who were nonverbal. so i would be in one seat and they would be kind of in behind me in the back and right and wherever and they would make some noises and i i so bad that i could hear these noises and they were fine but these noises were very you know foreign to me but I couldn't visually see if they were okay. So it was, so I focused in and going, are they okay? Are they trying to say something? So it was, it, it does can cause me a lot of anxiety, not being able to visually do that quick check. So I, you know, it's, you, you just try to get as much information from your other senses. Mm -hmm. Um, even smell i can tell you know if i'm walking down the row of shops like mm, yep that's starbucks <laughs> or mm, we're near the bakery um or we're near a sewer or even walking by people um you know people you know maybe you need to use some deodorants like <laughs> what is going like and i'm unfortunately um pretty verbal about that because it'll just it it slaps you in the face i can't see the person where normally you might just kind of look out mm. mm -hmm. but now i'm like whoa what what is that smell and my kids if they're with me they're just dying like oh, <laughs> oh, you need to be quiet i'm like but what is that and it's you know the homeless so guy or, you know but i that's just my personality, I guess. It just kind of comes out. But um, you, um, you know, so you you use the smell and the hearing, and you do focus more on those. They don't get better. I don't believe they get better. I believe you 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 maximize them to give you that information that you need um, because you can't get it verbally. And that's the same with touch. And that's where we I was talking about the grocery store. Um, are these oranges or apples? I'm feeling them. Um, are these, you know, cantaloupes or melon, you know, whatever. Um, is this the bread aisle? I'm, yep, those are loaves of bread. Um, those feeling and touching things gives me information. It's not, you know, it's it's looked down upon these days with COVID, but I I do touch a lot of things and that's pretty common in um, among some of my blind friends as we find we we touch a lot of stuff in the stores and um, you know I haven't broken anything expensive yet so <laughs> it's like, you know like let's not touch the glassware mom let's you know let's not do that or I'll be with friends or, and they're like and I go no no that's fine I won't I won't won't break it you know but um, and one of the things that um, my daughter and I do, um, and I've done it with friends too, is you put me in a candle shop and it's, you know, I'm all about it. It's because I can enjoy the smells. I can't enjoy it visually, but I can enjoy the smells. And, you know, it's those little things. Again, I refocused what would bring me joy and laughter and, and a fun moment with, say, my daughter or a friend, and we smell candles. I mean, probably didn't really think of it that way before now it's it's that makes me happy um and we have a good time and we're guessing the sense i mean it sounds so silly but it's it's something i can do 
it's something I can do. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's really turning your whole point of view, if you will, Mm -hmm. into, into a whole, uh, another perspective, um, is really the only way you're going to be able to kind of get through a lot of the hard moments. Um, because it's not like it used to be, Mm -hmm. I can't see things like I used to. Do you find that you have a deeper relationship with your kids right now than you had before? Yes. Uh, Yes. Um, they, you know, in the beginning, um, my kids were, my son was 19 and my daughter was just to turn 14. And, um, so handled it kind of differently with both of them being different, you know, it's kind of much older and a little younger. And, um, at first it was like, this is no big deal. I got this. I'm still super mom. I'm doing everything. And then, well, I really couldn't do everything. Couldn't drive anymore. Um, I, couldn't do, you know, couldn't read certain things and and all of that. But as I became more confident and found the ability to be able to do certain things, um, I could still go to their swim meets. I could still go to their orchestra performances. Again, I had to kind of bringing in courage. I had to go, I had to go because I valued I valued being there for my kids. So I needed to dig deep and find the courage to go sit at a swim meet and I couldn't see anything. Sit at an orchestra concert again, flipped my focus. Let me tell you, when you want when you close your eyes and listen to a college level orchestra or symphony, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, you have no distractions and you I heard instruments I never heard before until I lost vision. I mean that's a whole nother topic. But wow. um it was something I I was so blown away when I experienced it. Um, I wasn't like, oh, there's my son in the back on the French horn, you know? Now it was just, I just have to sit and listen. And it made the experience so much richer. And it sounds weird, but it just did. And, but my kids knew that I did, I've done and still do everything that I can possibly do for them, even though, you know, it does get hard for me sometimes, but they've also become more empathetic and compassionate for, I think for people just in general and are more willing to help people because they've, they've had to help me. And that's, that's just, that's just part of their nature now. And, um, I think they're different. They've turned out to be different kids in a better way, um, than if I hadn't lost my vision. That may not make sense, Mm -hmm. but no, it makes sense. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think especially with music, so much of it's based on feeling. I've I've been in similar situations. I think having the ability to see does create an additional layer of distractions because I'm not, I I find myself sometimes not being focused on the song itself, but more so who's in the crowd and who else is here that I know of. And Mm -hmm. in a way, it's like I will quote unquote waste half the experience just looking around at the quote unquote shiny objects mm-hmm. now before actually taking the time to experience it like you do. So I, I could definitely relate to it. You know, the other thing that came to mind as you were sharing your story that I'm curious about, do you remember the day when it actually happened? Like, what was that like? I mean, just waking up and not being able to see, like, did you, did you think it was still a dream or? Well, 
it was a little it was kind of it was a little gradual for me um my vision um i it declined over a series of of about six months so it wasn't a, a all of a sudden kind of a thing but my vision um well let me say let me back up it declined over a period of 18 months from fully sighted to uh, legally blind, basically counting fingers, they call it. Um, I can't see the eye chart at all. So what the doctor does is he, you test the peripheral vision. I do have some peripheral, although it's very foggy and you see how many fingers you can count on the outside. I have no central vision. So the, but the day that I do remember, was the day I was deemed legally blind. It, you know, that was like, yeah, it's, you're there. And I literally had drove the week before my last time I drove a car. I remember that day, like it was yesterday. And I actually am the one that said, I, that's it. I can't drive anymore. It was too scary. And I'm the one that said, the key, you know, no more. I can't do it anymore. And I took myself out of the driver's seat. A week later, I was deemed legally blind. And those are the moments along the journey that I remember um, the day I was called with my diagnosis of labor's hereditary optic neuropathy or LHON. I remember the day I got called and said, we got your DNA test result. And it was the last test to come in. I mean, and I had so many tests and my doctor called me at home and said, we got the result and it's positive. You have this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, and it was kind of a relief. Like now we knew what we had, mm -hmm. but he, I didn't really know what I was in for, which it was, there's no treatment or cure and you're going to go blind. Boom. Wow. Um, but also that uh, this is a genetic condition. So I have passed this genetic mutation on to my children. And my children also have a chance of going blind in their lifetime, which is almost the most upsetting part about the whole thing. Like I can do this all day long, but I would not, I don't want it to happen to my kids. So um, that's the, that's, that's the hardest part for me. And, and you know, it was hard for me to kind of get my head wrapped around that fact that it was passed down. It's passed down through the mother. And, and I thought every day, my children are going to say, Mom, I can't see, you know, I'm going blind, you know, like every day, they were going to go blind. But uh, one of uh, another mom, who has affected children, uh, she was so afraid her other children are going to come blind, she finally, you know, come to the realization if I live every day thinking my children are going to go blind, I'll never enjoy another day of my life. And I was like, yeah, you're, whoa, you know, light bulb. And you probably attract it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are, there are, you know, a lot of the moms have a hard time when they realize if their children become affected, um, is that's what they say, it's you become affected. Um, they're devastated because they know they've passed it to the child and no one wants to see their children, you know, suffer, hurt, you know, in pain or go blind or anything. Um, and unfortunately, my sister, who is a carrier, is what you call it, if, if you're not affected, you're a carrier. So my kids are carriers. Um, her son uh, actually became blind about four years ago from the same condition at 18. So she's had to go through um, out of her two boys, her one son is blind from the same condition. And she's gone through that 
I passed it on, you know, I did this, but I mean, it, he's doing amazing now he's in college and he's doing great. But so there are two of us in the family at this point and knock on wood, that's where it stays, you know, but my daughter, um, she will pass it along to her biological children. Um, so it'll, it'll just keep getting passed down if, um, you know, through the maternal line and, um, it's just, it just is. So, and you don't find out it's in your family until somebody actually goes blind, which was me. We didn't know it was in the family until I actually was diagnosed and had the DNA test. Do you still carry that sense of responsibility then moving forward or how have you come to terms with it? Well, that the moment I was told that one line that I had just said about enjoying the rest of your days of your life was, was a, was a, you know, big change for me, a big uh, shift. And I went, you know, she's right. She's right. Because I did, I was every day. I thought they're going to come to me and say, I can't see very well. Something's going on. Um, Cause it is a slow progression. It can, you know, it can happen in a matter of weeks, but it can also be a matter of months. And, um, I just, I just thought yeah, it can't happen to them, but I was so involved with that it was happening to me. I, I was dealing with my own feelings of myself, but also please don't let it happen to my kids. But as the years have gone by, it's been seven years now. Um, I really don't think about it to, for them. Uh, when I do think about it is when we, we go for our, you know, we go every other year to have, um, you know, assessments done with, uh, uh, opt, um, a neuro ophthalmologist. And I think, Oh God, please don't find anything. Please don't find, you know, please don't, <laughs> don't say you can't see the eye chart or, um, you know, don't, don't say like I, you know, he, I see there's some, there's a little struggle with the optic nerve or there's a, I see some swelling. I'm always like, oh, please, I hold my breath during the whole appointment because I just don't want anything to happen. Now, it can, it can, it, it can, but that's one of the things that drives me to be a really good example for them because I think, and at this point, seven years in, they know you can live a really good life. It's just a different life. There's yeah. technology. There's there's so much great things that can help someone who is blind, visually impaired out there, apps, you know, computers, screen readers, um, all kinds of stuff that they will, you will get through it, but I really don't want them to have to. And um, so that part of me, that kind of keeps me a little grounded is knowing that it would suck, but they would, they could do it. They could mm -hmm. do it. My nephew lost his vision one month before he was going to college. Wow. And he was already accepted and was on his way. He was going to play water polo and boom. Talk about um, an experience. Oh yeah. And you know, he was 18 and he, and his went pretty quickly. And, um, so he basically started college as the blind kid. Nobody knew him as sighted. So in a way he says that kind of helped because he didn't have to make any weird transitions. He just had to go in and he had to learn technology and all that really quick, but 18 year olds, you know, they're, they're pretty good with that stuff anyway. Um, but he had to dive right in and he, he's graduating, um, uh, later this year in finance, business and finance. That's amazing. I don't know how, but huh. he's killing it. He's killing it. And, you know, you just wouldn't even know, you just wouldn't even know. He just, he just owned it. He almost just owned it from the beginning. And I, again, just incredible resilience, but 
um, you know, he, he did go through a little bit of time because he couldn't play water polo. Um, but you know, he got through that and, you know, he's killing it. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, it's not a bad life. It's just a different life, but you have to get through those first few years, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get through that first few years because it, you know, I was, um, teaching group fitness classes. I was taking care of a family. I had kids. I was at a different place in my life. And I, I really believe it. It depends on where you are in your life mm-hmm. as to how you're going to your adjustment period. Um, and, or if you're, you know, living at home with your mom and dad and they're helping you do everything, that's a whole different kind of adjustment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. It's, um, what yeah. an experience, seriously. Yeah. What, what a, what a journey you've been through and everyone else that you know of a similar experiences. Maria, what's the best way that people can learn about you, additional things that you're doing in this world? Do you have any projects that people can learn more about and be a part of? Well, absolutely. I have a website and it's called Girl Gone Blind. So you can find it at girlgoneblind.com. Uh, you can find me on all social media, um, Facebook and Instagram at Girl Gone Blind. You can find me on Twitter at girl underscore gone underscore blind. And you can find me on LinkedIn under Maria Johnson. And uh, currently I'm on a path and a new kind of pivoting my career right now um, with COVID. Um, I haven't really taught really any fitness classes because of course all the gyms are closed and all of that. So I'm kind of pivoting my career now to be more of a writer and a speaker. So um, that's kind of what I've been working on and hoping to see more of that come to fruition for myself. And um, so anyone, please reach out, contact me. I'd love to hear from people and um, stay tuned. Big things ahead. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.